Open your Bible to the book of Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 6. Stand with me. Matthew chapter 6. Just one... Well, let me see how much I want to do here. <clears throat> Matthew 6. We'll start in verse 27. Matthew 6, 27. If you can, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 6, 27, down to verse 33. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 27. We'll read aloud together as we prepare for next year. Matthew 6, 27. Once you've got that, let's say it together, all right? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray. Again, Father, we are gathered together to hear from you, and I pray that you would meet with us and you would speak to us. And more importantly, that we would listen and hear from you. Lord, um, thank you for gathering us together. Thank you for our church family. I thank you for the homes that are represented here, but we need help. We need your power. We need um, a lot of work done in our hearts, in our thinking. So, Lord, I pray that this morning we would get a vision of what you want to do with us this next year and that you would help anybody in this room who's not saved to realize they need to get saved. They need to turn to you. They need to stop running and stop trying to figure you out and finally just trust you. I pray they would do that today before it's too late. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> All right, let me... Um, Today is Vision Sunday. It's a day when I, as your pastor, we, I set the course for us as a church for all next year. I look for and I ask God, God, what do you, what do you need to work on me and, and um, how can you best grow me? Because I don't want to ever talk down or talk from my perspective of, of success. I'm always looking for areas that work on me, because if it'll work on me, it'll work on you. And if it's helping me, I believe it'll help you. So these are going to be the areas that I constantly pray about, and I ask God, help me grow, help me change, help all of us that assemble here on Sundays and Wednesdays to be more than we are. Now that means that we've got some neat things in store for 2019. The first thing is probably one of the most important things, and that is on a Wednesday evening, we're going to be starting a study through the Psalms of David, and we're going to learn how to pray and how to worship. 
David didn't get everything he asked for, but he sure knew how to walk with God, how to talk to him, how to trust in him, how to have a prayer time where he went into his prayer closet totally defeated, totally um, uh, terrified, um, cornered, and come out of the prayer closet in victory. Come out in the prayer closet totally ready for the, the, the fight. And we'll learn how to battle on our knees. And we've got a booklet called our prayer journal. That's for you if you come. And it'll, it'll be a great study through the year as we study through select psalms. That's on Wednesdays. Then over in the other room there, our children will begin a study of Exodus um, and uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy in children's church. And we've called it uh, a children's guide through the wilderness, which is life, okay? And everybody talks about morals and ethics. Well, let me tell you, you need to get your ethics from the Bible. You need to find out uh, things that are more important than what the what the government is trying to fix, all of the problems in the world. There are some deep, serious, ethical problems in our world. And you get your, you, you, the world cannot be fixed on its own ethics. And our children need to learn what is true north and what is right, what is the right thing to do. And so they're going to learn the Ten Commandments. They're going to learn and they're going to memorize things that are right and things that are wrong. They're unchangeable. Men's camp, we're going to look at the life of Isaac. We're going to learn how to really trust God because we think we believe God until we're in trouble and then we go, well, I better call mom. <laughs> and so we're going to learn how, to, how far we can trust God. And he really had to. I mean, when your dad puts a knife to you, you wonder, you know, can I trust my dad? Can I trust God? We're going to learn how to trust God. Youth camp, we're going to learn about Adam and Eve. And it's going to be awesome because we're going to go back to the beginning. Everybody's trying to teach children about the birds and the bees. Our kids are going to learn about Adam and Eve. And they're going to learn about relationships. They're going to learn about right decisions. And um, uh, that's at youth camp in July. Now, we're going uh, to be saying goodbye to Nehemiah. I've taught you 30 specific study lessons from the life of Nehemiah. We talked about rebuilding lots of things in our lives, mainly the place of prayer. I taught you what faith can do. I taught you that we need wall-to-wall workers. We don't need just a few of us doing a, uh, most of the things. And we talked about the different gates that you're responsible for, both in your home and in your life. You know, you're in charge of what you let your eyes look at. You're in charge of what you allow in your ears. Uh, you're in charge of what comes out of your mouth. You are to be a gatekeeper. We learned about those things. Now, for 2019, however, we say goodbye to Nehemiah, and we say hello to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, when I, when I introduce this subject that we're going to be looking at this year, I want to ask you a question. When I say the word kingdom, what do you think of? Do you think of things like the British kingdom? Or the kingdom of Saudi Arabia? Do you think that do you, do you think of a people over there in England or down in France or over in Spain? You see, when I mention a kingdom, most people think of a place or they think of a, a realm. They think of a time like once upon a time in a magical kingdom far, far away. <clears throat> but what about when I say the kingdom of heaven? What do you think about? What do you understand is the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom of David? Or how about the kingdom of darkness? You know, God has a lot to talk about kingdoms. What if I say the kingdom of God? What do you think of? 
Now, you might be brave enough to ask, well, where is this kingdom? What power does it have? What influence does the kingdom of God have? Those are very good questions, and they need some very good answers. You see, you'll never see a flag flying over to the kingdom of God. You can't get a visa and go visit it. And yet the kingdom of God is what Jesus seemed to preach and teach most about. Now, uh, whatever Jesus said, let me stop here, whatever it is, Jesus said we need to desperately seek it. As we see here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, look at it there. But seek ye, what's the next word? First. What does first mean? That means ahead of everything else. Before finding that special husband or that special future wife that you are looking for, before you go trying to define and decide a career, or before you decide what you're going to do for fun, the first thing you need to be seeking is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When we talk about seeking it, we're talking about hungering for it, yearning to live in it. Because if you don't find the kingdom of God, if you don't know how to live in it, Everything that you know that you need to be happy is going to always slip through your fingers like sand. C.S. Lewis said this, Don't be surprised when nothing in this world fully satisfies your longing for happiness, your desires for peace, or your hopes for the future. God made you for a different world, a different kingdom. And that kingdom is called the kingdom of God. So, <clears throat> there are many kingdoms. Some of them are at different times in history. But many of them overlap. They exist at the same time as other kingdoms. As a matter of fact, there are seven kingdoms that God talks about and God expects you to worry about. We're going to learn about them over the next several months. The first one is the kingdom of men. Jesus called it the kingdoms of this world. There is also the kingdom of darkness. That is a spiritual kingdom that coexists at the same time in this kingdom in which we live. There is the kingdom of God, which is also a spiritual kingdom in operation right now. There is the kingdom of heaven, which is yet future. It's also called the millennium. And Jesus called it the world to come. There is the kingdom of Israel and Judah. There's the kingdom of hell. Do you know, uh, the kingdom of hell has a king over it, and it's not Satan. He's over the king, but there is a king over hell. And there is something called the everlasting kingdom, which is way out there when everything's fixed. Seven kingdoms. So the Christian, the Bible believer, comes to the Bible and needs to ask, what kingdom am I in? What kingdom is most important to worry about? What is so important about this thing called the kingdom of God? Why should I seek it first, like Matthew 6.33 says? Why should I even be interested in it? And what, what will it do for me? And more importantly, what am I to do for it? All of these are very important questions that got to be answered because how you answer those questions will determine your life. If you think you are the king of your life, you are sadly deceived. You are a puppet. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do, whether you want to or not. You will continue in sin, and you will dig a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. You may say, well, I put down cigarettes, and then you picked up drink. Well, I don't drink anymore, and then you picked up pornography. You cannot win, folks. The lusts of your father the devil ye will do. You're a puppet if you think that you're in charge of your life. 
How you answer those questions will determine your life and how you live it, how you will respond to, respond to problems, how you will see others. Are they competitors? <laughs> and how you'll put up with others. Now, it is absolutely vital that you learn about kingdoms. I, I, um, I have to tell you, I don't know... I don't know what to expect of education anymore. It really discourages me thinking about all the money and all the time that people are putting into universities and uh, colleges and everything, and that's fine. But let me tell you this. Great teachers used to focus on history. They used to focus on learning about kings and kingdoms and about nations and about empires. They didn't focus on all the social issues didn't talk about a utopia world where, where, where you got rid of, of all of the offensive items in life. What kind of a life is that? They don't have classes on, uh, they didn't teach classes on primarily on social studies and how to overcome repressed feelings and how to develop progressive feministic theologies. Those are classes in universities. Great teachers have always sought to learn the lessons of history and they learn from the failures of the kingdom of men, of men as much as they learn math and science and literature. I find that no one seems to be learning about the kingdoms of men anymore. And so people are doomed to repeat the lessons and the failures of the kingdom of men a hundred times over. Starting next week, we're going to learn about God's kingdom. We're going to see how it overlaps this world and how... As much as it looks like God's not in charge, He is in charge. And that when we look at our government and we see such a reprobate, such a reprehensible group of people leading the nation of Ireland, we have to step back and say, God put them there. Not because God wants them as an example of righteousness, but He's giving what this nation deserves. God raises up. God puts in charge the basest of men, the Bible says. We're going to learn about God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, right here and now, and how to live in that kingdom now. I know there's kingdoms ahead. I know there's a great future, but I don't live there. I know where I used to be, and I know what failures I've gone through. I know what kind of, of miserable disasters I've worked through, but I don't live there. I live here, now. You know what the kingdom of God is? It is now. So, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God all year long. We're going to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to learn about the Beatitudes. We're going to listen to Jesus say what the world thinks when they think of you being destroyed. When, they, when, when, when you look at yourself and you think you're at the bottom, Jesus says, blessed are you <laughs> if you're following me. If you're, follow if you're in my kingdom, to the world, you'll look like a failure. But in your heart of hearts, you will have already won. And I'll show you all that. We'll learn about the Beatitudes. We'll learn about the parables. There is no way to describe and explain the kingdom of God except by comparing it with seeds and with grass and with sowers and with, with um, trees and with things that we... and farming and with, with um, a simple example that explain a spiritual truth. We're going to learn about that stuff. We're going to see the miracles of God that in the kingdom of God... Everything's possible. In the kingdom of men, you've got to have money. 
You've got to have smartness. You've got to know somebody, but not in the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Now, whatever it is, it is the central theme of Jesus' teaching everywhere he went. Go to Mark chapter 1. You're in Matthew. Go to Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. Mark 1, 14. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. You know, it was good news. It was glad tidings. Go to Luke chapter 8. Here in Mark, go to Luke chapter 8 in verse 1. Luke 8, 1. <clears throat> it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings, the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, and his twelve are with him. Not only did Jesus teach it everywhere he went, but so did Paul. Paul loved teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. Go to Acts chapter 19. Stay with me. Acts chapter 19, and verse 8. Acts 19, and verse 8. Speaking of Paul. And he went into the synagogue, and he spake boldly for the space of how long? All right, so he knew it took at least three months to get started on talking about the kingdom of God. We're going to take all year because we're going to deal with a lot, a lot of things about it. He spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. He didn't talk about health, wealth, and prosperity. He didn't talk about Roman and Jewish politics. He didn't concern his effort on talking about economies and science and poetry but he emphasized the firstness of God's kingdom. Now, to be sure, there's a lot of confusion about the kingdom of God. Many people mistake it, and, and they, they, they think that the kingdom of God is, is, our, is the church. Really? Do you know where wars come from? One person thinks, uh, one, one group thinks they're the king, and another group thinks they're the king. And I have to let you know on a little secret. There are 20... 26 monarchies in the world today. And one of them is the Vatican. It is classified as a monarchy with a king. And that king over there, over the last 2,000 years, has spent, sent more people to their death in war, thinking that he was a king. No pope is king. Many mistakes have been made because of misunderstanding the kingdom. A lot of people make doctrinal mistakes and heresies. It's very grieving to read. I'm, I don't know. Sometimes you've got to understand my methodology. I've been reading for months now on the kingdom of God, and I've been enjoying my study. I have outlines after outlines and studies and thoughts and things all over the map. And so when, when I get some things going and I start studying, I then read somebody who I normally wouldn't ever look to, and I, just, I read them just, just to make me angry. <laughs> Just, no! And it refines it. It gets me going. I've got to simplify this thing. I've got to make this simple because there's some wackos out there, man. 
political mistakes and wars have been fought because of the making of the kingdom of God a church or a denomination. People have imagined that a, 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 um, a church has, has power in this world, and so we need to all have, have a, we need to be a part of an army, we need to defend uh, uh, our, our Jerusalem. It's just, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God is not physical, folks. The kingdom of God is not, is not you and me. The kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy. It's not you and me. To this day, there are big debates over the kingdom. Oh, people, theologians, Christians wonder what it is, who's in it, how to get into it. A lot of people think you've got to be baptized to get into the kingdom of God. And who will control it? Kind of interesting. Do you know almost no wars were ever fought over really religion? People will always use religion, but wars were fought over who's in control? Who's allowed to be king of your life? And might makes right. And the survival of the fittest began with the idea that our kingdom against your kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom of God? It is a mystery, no doubt. Go to back to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to give you a taste of what we're going to look at this year because it is absolutely breathtaking. Mark chapter 4 and verse 11. It is a mystery. And I'm going to tell you, you would not understand the kingdom of God outside of Jesus teaching you about it. Mark chapter 4 and verse 11, And he said unto them and to his disciples, Unto you it is given to know the what? All right, the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them which are without, the people who are just sitting there for the free food, the people who just come on a Sunday, don't even bring their Bible, don't care what they hear, just come and they go, them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Or make it hard on them. Maybe make them to where they got to say, what did he mean by that? <laughs> the kingdom of God is a mystery to solve. Secondly, the kingdom of God is not of this world. John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Now Jesus has turned himself into Judas's hands and into the, the, um, the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin has whipped him and beaten him and then turned him over to Pilate and he's standing before Pilate. And the accusation they have against Jesus is he's a king. Really, John 18 and verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is, what the next four words, not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So the kingdom of God is, it cannot be found here. You don't, you don't move to the kingdom of God. You can't move to my home state of Texas. You may find heaven, but you're not finding the kingdom of God. That's a joke, isn't it? West Virginia is almost heaven, if you know about some of the country and western songs. Anyway. You can't, you can't go find the kingdom of God someplace on this earth. It's not of this world. Romans chapter 14. It is not physical or visible. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, 17. For the 
kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Isn't that what? That's the basics of life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. The kingdom of God is, is not things, but it is righteousness and it is peace and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. Go back to Luke 17, back and forth. <laughs> Luke 17 and verse 20. Luke 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, when is it coming? He answered them and said, well, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You're not going to see it coming. <laughs> Neither shall they say, lo, here, or look, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is... All right. So it's not physical. It's, it's a mystery. It's not visible. Yet it still is a kingdom with laws and citizenship and a king and subjects. Do you know it's a kingdom where sinners have been forgiven? It's a kingdom where the lost have been saved and born again. Is where people are made alive and are now enjoying life every moment of it, even though they may find themselves in prison even though they might find themselves uh, uh, restrained, uh, not restrained, but, but um, bound to a hospital bed. This is a kingdom where people are free of the dominion of sin and Satan, and they're free of the curse of self. But the reality is, everyone's got to get into it. Go to John, John chapter 3, next book. Gospel of John, chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 3, Nicodemus, who thought he had it all figured out, a very well-educated man, uh, very theologically astute, very precise in his theology and in, in his learning and his understanding. He meets Jesus and Jesus, and he, and, he, and he praises Jesus. He says, verse 2, he says, the same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that thou art a teacher from, come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered, says, back unto him, says, thank you very much. I appreciate the praise. No, he doesn't say that. He says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the... All right, so Nicodemus sees miracles. Nicodemus hears teaching. And Nicodemus says, wow, you are amazing. He says... You need to get in the kingdom. And unless you're born again, you won't ever be able to see it. What you're seeing is not the kingdom. What you're seeing is physical. What you're seeing is visible. But you're not seeing the kingdom yet. And you must be born again. Everyone has to get into it. Say, what is it? Make it simple, Pastor. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God simply is God ruling in the hearts of willing men and women. Overruling anything and everyone else. That is the kingdom of God. That is the rule of God in your heart. Now, if I were to ask you how many of this week were ruled by the flesh, don't raise your hand. <laughs> how many were governed by what your friends... I still remember die, nearly dying at least half a dozen times when my friends would dare me to do something stupid. And I went, let's do it, yeah. <laughs> Never thinking I should die. Well, you know, the kingdom of God is when God is in charge of how you think, what you think, 
how you live, how you give, how you love, how you react. And it is then, while living under his rule, we are what the words are in Matthew chapter 5, blessed. Wow. Malachi ends with a statement, if you don't take God seriously, a curse is coming. And it's true. But at the beginning of the New Testament, Jesus says, hey, let me tell you, if you do take me seriously, blessed are you. So when we come to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, we're going to learn how to live. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you might have life, and that more abundant in the kingdom of God. That's why it's called salvation. That's why it's called salvation, because God is allowed to take possession of your life and take responsibility for your sin. If you want to take responsibility for your sin, you will die and go to hell. But if you want to give it to him, he'll take it and you go to heaven. Isn't that awesome? Now, why is this so important? Three thoughts. Number one, because there is no life in any other kingdom. And remember, there are seven to choose from. Now, normally, people live in one of two kingdoms. They live, well, they live in two kingdoms automatically. They live in the kingdom of this world. They're born into it. That's their first birth. And they live under the dominion of the kingdom of Satan. And they wonder why they, they, they have dark thoughts. And they wonder why their life is, is like, a, like, a, like a little dinghy in a, in a fast-raging a river, and they just can't seem to break free because they're under, they're in the kingdom of this world, and they're following the course of this world, but they're following the course of the prince of the power of the air. They're in the dominion of two kingdoms, and until you've been born again, you'll never know and never enjoy the riches of the kingdom of God. We we'll go to First Corinthians chapter two, First Corinthians chapter two. I'll be honest with you, I'm sitting here talking to every one of you from my heart, but there are some of you, and you're not getting it. You're not understanding there is a kingdom that you have never tasted of, you have never, you have never sought, you have never yearned for, you have thought for the blessings of God, but you've never, ever sought for the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 14, the Bible says the natural man, that's the Natural born man, just a human, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what to him? What a craziness. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are only spiritually discerned. So the kingdom of God is something that most people will never want. You understand? Because you can't hold it. You can't put it in your pocket. You can't sell it. You can't make money off of it. You can't, you can't manage it. You can't manipulate it. The kingdom of God is something you can't just, you know, have a part of. Verse 13, which things also, I'm sorry, I should start in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You know what everybody wants today? Something free from the government. Every election, some new jerk, some new politician comes along and wants to give more stuff away so they can get elected. You need to stop that. 
You need to stop electing people that give you free stuff. You know what that does? It dulls you from wanting the stuff that God gives. Freely given to us of God, so we might know those things. Now verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, I'm not going to find it down at the university, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But no matter how much I teach, no matter how much I put my heart into a message, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Like talking to a brick. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, somebody in another dimension, another realm, judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. He's been judged by Christ. So in, there is no life in any other kingdom than the kingdom of God. Secondly, it's very important for you to learn about the kingdom of God because you can fail at it. You can fail it. The entire Old Testament is a shadow. It is a preview of what we're going to be learning about this, this next year. When you learn about the kingdom of David and you learn about the kingdom of Israel and how it rose to such prominence and then was so destroyed and defeated under Nebuchadnezzar and under the Assyrians because of their sin, because of their rebellion, because of their carnality. And you learn about the kingdom constantly being a state of failure. You go, wow. How come they didn't learn it? Same reason why you don't. When God set up a kingdom in Israel, He didn't set up something to fail. Men messed with it. When God designed marriage, He didn't design something that was a, was a curse, and yet we've cursed ourselves with it, haven't we? Our world hates marriage now because they've not, they've not allowed the design to be it. We try to add to it. We try to adjust things. We try to make, well, I'm in charge now, and well, she's in charge. Or, let me tell you this. When God designed marriage. When God designs kingdoms, when God designs a way of life, it's meant to last. And the only reason why our view of things is so messed up is because we're not learning the lessons of the kingdom. So from now on, after this next year, you'll never read your Bible the same from Genesis all the way to Revelation because you'll see the kingdom. And you'll see the failures. You'll see Saul mess up royally and, and, and forfeit his rulership and his authority. Let me tell you this. According to the Bible, you are kings and priests in God's kingdom. But you can blow it. You can't blow your salvation, but you can blow your place of service. Don't you know you're going to judge angels someday? You'll stand and you will make decisions about the eternity of angels and the reward of the punishment of angels that fell. You will make that decision. Can you not start to live in a kingdom different than just whether you want and how you, you feel and start going, you know, I want to live in a higher kingdom. I want to see things differently, better. I don't want to be defeated all my life. Because you can fail at the kingdom. There's a third reason why you need to learn about the kingdom of God because you can also succeed at it. The Bible calls us more than conquerors. You know, you can walk and live in victory over sin. You'll never get to the place where you never sin. But you can live where sin does not have dominion over you because you're under the dominion of the kingdom of God. What if you miss it? Go to John. Go back to John 3. 
What if you miss the kingdom? John chapter 3. I'll tell you what will happen if you miss what I'm going to try to teach you this next year. I mean, you don't have to wait all year. You, you already know some of the things I'm going to teach. These are not new things you're going to learn, maybe from a different angle. But if you miss the kingdom of God, you will live your life like a vapor. And then you will die in your sins. John 3, 3, we already read it. Jesus answered and said unto him, Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. Run down to verse 36. He that believeth on the Son right now hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You will live your life and it will be like a vapor and it will be over with and you will die in your sins under the wrath of God. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Last scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the... Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. You're not getting in. If you do any sin, you've blown it. You will live your life and you will die a sinner under the wrath of God You'll die in your sins. You know, it's even worse than, than that. You'll miss the only reason for life. You know what the reason of your life is, the purpose of your life? It is to, to discover God as He is. Not as you think He is. But to discover the Creator that made you, to discover why He made you, discover how much He loves you, why He saves you, to actually know God. Jeremiah chapter 9 says, don't let a, a mighty man shouldn't run around glorying in his, in, his, in his strength, and a rich man shouldn't rejoice in his wealth. But you know what you should get excited about? Just knowing God. Knowing who He is. Because look at verse 11. And such were some of you. You're washed now. You're sanctified, which means you're clean, yes, but it also means you're clean for a purpose. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If you miss the kingdom of God, you'll miss the very reason for you being alive. You know, the devil wants you to think that the reason for you to be alive is to just be worm food. So you might as well eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you're going to die and it'll all be over with. That's what the devil wants you to think. But the truth is you are made for a different kingdom. And you will never find happiness in the kingdom of men. You'll never find happiness in the kingdom of darkness. You'll never find happiness in a kingdom that's not here yet. You'll never find kingdom, you'll never find happiness in your past. You'll find joy and happiness and righteousness in the kingdom of God, which is right now. Here's the invitation. It's Vision Sunday. I want you to see that you can be forgiven, born again, saved, today. 
that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God believe with thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want, you to be, I want you to know that you can be alive and enjoying life. I don't mean enjoying everything that comes at you. But you can realize whatever's coming at you is coming from the enemy. But you're living in the kingdom of God. I want you to know that you can be free from the dominion of sin and its control over you. And you can even be free from the curse of yourself. But having a vision is not going to be enough. See, I can have all the plans, I can do my best preaching and teaching, and it'll make no difference at all if you are not hungering and yearning for something greater than you have. If you're happy with where you're at, if you're happy with your own spiritual walk, if you're happy with your marriage or your lack of, if you're happy with your career, if you're, then I can't help you. My burden is that you would realize there is a better kingdom than anything this world could ever offer you. And until you hunger for it and thirst after it, what is it Jesus says? Blessed are ye when you do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So commit to a kingdom greater than all the sorrow you've had. You know how most people get angry and bitter? Because they've been hurt. And you need to have something to focus on that's greater than your hurt, greater than all the past, greater than your failures. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And everything you're looking for will be added unto you. It'll make a difference in your home. It'll make a difference in the way you live. You get into it by faith. You don't walk into a door and say, I'm now in the kingdom of God. You don't, you don't buy it. You don't earn it. You receive it. It has to be in you. One of these days you've got to realize, I need to let it in. And you get the kingdom when you get the king, amen? His name is Jesus. Stand with me and bow your heads in prayer. It would be easy for me to bring out a barbecue and start a fire and have the coals red hot and throw on some sausages and one inch thick steak, some burgers. And it would be easy for me to make you hungry, wouldn't it? I'm already doing it, aren't I? Amen. You hear the, 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 the sizzle you smell the aroma, and every part of you says, yeah, yeah, bring on the bun. <laughs> Wish I could do that with your heart. Jesus spent three and a half years teaching about this kingdom, trying to get them to hear the sizzle and to smell the aroma of the kingdom of God and to want it. They didn't get it. As a matter of fact, they ended up killing the king of it. But that's okay. That's what Jesus knew it would have to happen that way. Don't make the same mistake. Don't miss the kingdom of God, which is offered to every person in this room. 
You know, if you're saved, you are in the kingdom. But I doubt you're living like it. But if you're not saved, this kingdom makes no sense to you. Everything will be opposite. You're going to be watching topsy-turvy. It won't make sense. Let me tell you. You need to be born again. You need to trust the king of the kingdom before you begin to appreciate the kingdom of God. So maybe you're not saved this morning. Would you like to be saved? Would you like for Jesus to be the Lord of your life? The Jews mocked him, put him on a cross, and Pilate put him up there, put a sign up there saying, the king of the Jews, when they didn't really mean it. Are you like that? You come to church trying to act like Jesus is the king, and yet he's not? Make a decision this morning that Matthew 6.33 is going to be different now, that you will seek first, you'll yearn for, and you'll learn most about the kingdom of God. Father, bless these thoughts. Make us hungry for your kingdom and for your righteousness because we need to be blessed. Pleasures of this world bring, the sins of this world bring pleasure for only a season. I'd like to know the joy that never ends. I'd like to experience the blessedness that you speak of in the Beatitudes. But it doesn't just happen. It happens when I get in, get my feet right, get my hands right, get my eyes right, get my heart right, get my mouth right, and I seek first the kingdom of God. So bless these thoughts. Make us hungry for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.